I restarted my recording so it's easier for you on the back end. I will count us down. Oh, oh okay. All right. Sorry, yeah. Recordings. Good to go? Yep. Three, two, one. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, a podcast in which my lovely co-host and I talk about two games that we have been playing over the last couple weeks. Uh, and of course, when I talk about my lovely co-host, I am talking about Walter C. 80 Svedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing uh, tremendously. I am in a very, very good mood. Uh, we are recording on the Wednesday uh, before my birthday and before my trip to New York City. Uh, to watch uh, days three and four of the League of Legends quarterfinals. A little bit disappointed in the uh, in the teams that I'll be watching. I, I really wanted to watch Rogue Live and bring my jersey. Um, but you know what? It's all good because they're going to win on Thursday. I'll be able to wear my jersey all weekend and I can pretend that I'm a fan of the team and that, you know, my team is the one that's playing in the World Championship semifinals and neither of my teams had... Uh, their owners in like abusive uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this I don't root it's, for TSM or G2 anymore it's going great no we're a good and healthy league um, everything's going fine pay no attention to all of the rumors about the LCS being on fire um, it, it'll be fine it's not going to be great it'll be fine um which is kind of how I feel about the Rogue series on Thursday, honestly. I By the time that you're listening to this, you know how it went. Um, but right now, I'm 24 hours before it, and I am terrified. Uh, because I think the thing that Rogue does really well is also the thing that JDG does very well. And so there's a... I, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do, Walter. I have my concerns. But you know what? This is not a venting about my fears about playing the Chinese champions in the League of Legends World Championship quarterfinals podcast, um, which could be a show in its own right, to be sure. This is a podcast in which we discuss games that we have been playing. So I have to ask, Walter, what have you been playing? So Chase, you and I have, have casually talked about what I've been playing in the background of, I, you know, I've been playing TFT. I've been playing Team Fight Tactics. I don't really have a good introduction for it because I think by now everyone knows what TFT is. Everyone who has been interested in touching it has at least gotten their their hands on it a little bit and their eyeballs on it a little bit. And um, I was pleasantly surprised. I've been pleasantly surprised in my enjoyment of it. Um, I have, I've been playing it kind of off and on. I'm not, I'm not playing like, you know, five, 10, 15 games a day or anything ridiculous like that, but it's become something that I have an addiction to the League of Legends client. Um, when I sit down at my computer, if I'm not planning on doing anything else, if I'm just relaxing on a day off, my hand instinctively grabs my mouse, opens the client and I stare at it and I go, well, I should queue up for rank. That's what I normally do. I'm gonna I'm gonna play ranked and I'm gonna fucking hate myself. <laughs> and it it's it's a problem. It is it is a huge problem when you have committed 12 plus years of your life to a game and it creates a lot of indecision when it's like, well, do I wanna play something else? Do I wanna play we talked about Rumbleverse earlier. Like, man, I really enjoyed that game, but to me in my head, the amount of time that I would have to put in to get good at it then invalidates all the time that I spent getting 
relatively good at League of Legends. Yes, I did hit gold this season so I could get that Sejuani skin. That's just a humble brag. Um, <laughs> and I was, I've been very kind of against the auto-battler Dota chess-style game when it first came out. It just didn't pique my interest. I, I enjoy strategy games, but not not that kind of strategy like i played chess a bit when i was younger but i i don't anymore and any chess content i consume is just purely you know gotham chess on youtube like all those things and i just i kind of ignored it i was like not my thing don't want to deal with it so on and so forth and then one of my friends who actually was one of the friends that i got into league of legends with he got into it and he started playing it and slowly, like when I'd see him online, you know, kind of infrequently, he'd be playing TFT. So one day we were just like hanging out in Discord and he was talking about it and talking about the set and all these things. And I was like, yeah, that's, that kind of sounds a little interesting. He's like, well, do you, do you want to like play some normals together? I can like kind of walk you through it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I played a few normal games with him and this is, you know, a couple months ago. And then like anytime we'd be online, that's kind of what we would do. We'd just kind of hang out and we'd walk through it and I would lose like, you know, I'd be the seventh or sixth place person or whatever and we'd lose. And then he'd kind of walk me through his decision making and what he was doing and all these things. Um, and then I just was starting to play more by myself because I just didn't want to click into uh, into ranked. I didn't want to play solo queue by myself. I, I wanted, you know, if, if Amanda... Uh, Stevens wasn't on who's usually my dual queue partner I'd be like okay well I already got golden flex queue so I don't want to I don't want to ruin that like what do I do oh I guess I'll play some TFT um and in all honesty I've just been playing normals I haven't been trying to play ranked or competitive or anything but I've I've won three games and I remember the first game I won I like texted my buddy and I posted on Twitter and I was kind of proud of it I was like oh this is this is really awesome this is like when I got my first pentakill in league like oh it's really cool and, you know, over the last month or so, I've probably played, you know, 25, 30 games and I've, you know, won a handful and I've played top four. And I wouldn't say that I've gotten like consistently super, super good at it where I'm, you know, constantly placing top four or anything like that. But it's kind of nice to have a different change of pace to break up my addiction to heroin. I mean, League of Legends. <laughs> It is important to have that mix up, especially because League of Legends as a game is something that can be very infuriating very quickly, depending on who your teammates are and, and how uh, a game breaks down. I, I do I want to ask, I guess, first of all, for, for people who perhaps don't know as much about auto-battlers, because auto-battlers have in general been a genre that has been separate from a lot of the other genres that we've talked about. Um, what about this auto-battler and how it works has grabbed you and kept your attention? I, I think, in all honesty, the way that it grabbed me was it was that my, my buddy was playing it, and it was a way for me to hang out with my friend. Uh, but the other thing is, like, it's recognizable. It's the League of Legends IP. Like, I know all the characters, I know all the items, and sure, there's the joke about, like, oh, do they did they know that that champion... I know they said it in, like, LEC or something, like, hey, did they know that that champion doesn't build that item because this isn't TFT? Like, ha, ha, ha. But it's recognizable, mm -hmm. and 
it's not so much that I'm learning what each of the individual characters do. It's I'm more instead learning the mechanics of the game. And I have watched plenty of Hearthstone Battlegrounds, whether it was Brian Kibler, whether it was Kaparian. Like my YouTube content for a year was just like solid Hearthstone Battlegrounds content. And I'd probably play that game if Blizzard wasn't such a fucking shitty company. Man, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, so... What in particular got me on this game, though, was it It does seem pretty straightforward. I think the traits are kind of fascinating and, again, very straightforward. And I'd say, like, versus something like Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds, I know Kriparian would always make the joke about having, like, the old man hands that he couldn't keep up with some of the... Um, the rotation that you had to do with the cards, especially like pirates trying to stack up stuff. And this seemed very simple and straightforward of figure out what composition you're going to play based off of what you start with, whether it's champions, whether it's items, you know, so on and so forth. And then you kind of just, you know, you, you roll, you find your, you know, your two star, your three stars, you stack all of it up until you finally die or you get to the end of the game and you've built a coherent composition. And I think it does a lot of little things very well when you're hovering over your traits on the left. Uh, it'll show you which champions you have, you know, whether it's on your board or your bench that share that trait. And we'll also, if you, you know, understand which champion is in all the little, the little like profile pictures, you can kind of understand what champion champions you would be looking for without having a guide right in front of you so i think there's a lot of like usability and, and kind of like access stuff that makes the game a bit easier to play than than, than battlegrounds in particular um i i don't have a lot of um experience with auto chess or with the the direct like dota auto battler to kind of compare to those um and other than that the only other experience i have is i think watching you play the the super pets um yes super auto pets is the one i yes. have most enjoyed i had a like a dota underworlds phase but dota underworlds really lost me uh once they added the uh overlords funnily enough like once you had the people who were um kind of giving these passive bonuses everything became about that and not so much about the composition you were building kind of tried to force you into certain styles rather than allowing you to adapt on the fly and the readability was not what it is for uh team fight tactics i i do want to ask how much of your ability to get into and enjoy tft was based on your ability to understand league of legends because i, I think one of the criticisms that I have heard is that some of the items and, and whatnot are not necessarily as intuitive if you're not already familiar with what those items do in the main game and being able to kind of jump on what champions would be likely to synergize well together based on that kind of institutional knowledge. Yeah, so I'd say the items in particular are pretty close to home of like, you know, what Bloodthirster is, like Bloodthirster does 80 damage on it. But it's very weird because a lot of the compositions and, and the builds that you use, I actually, I, I use Mobilytics when I play if I want to look at like particular builds. And I will be honest, I am a build slave. I, I am not good enough at the game where I feel confident to like sit back and just be like, yeah, I can throw something together myself. Uh, the only time I did that was because I was going after particular quests to get experience for the battle pass, which, you know, I was enjoying the game enough. I, I bought the battle pass. I'm not, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to pretend that I did. I bought the battle 
pass. I gave Riot money. Um, I am now a shell of my former self. <laughs> and there are some things like Spear of Sojin in, so in like particular comps is really good on Seraphine. Well, where in, in League would you ever build Spear of Sojin and throw it on Seraphine? Like some of that doesn't make sense if you're coming from a League of Legends background. But I think kind of at the baseline, you look at it, there, there's like blue buff. There, you put two tiers together and you get a blue buff. What does blue buff do? It's like increased mana regeneration. You start with a little bit more mana. Like that is pretty straightforward, uh, the item itself. But sometimes what champions you want to put it on doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I think even kind of the champions in terms of which champion has which traits um, makes sense kind of generally. Um, you know, Silas is, is a is a bruiser. Uh, Sona is a a mage. Nidalee is a shapeshifter. Like some of those traits do make a lot of sense in terms of like the type. But then when you get into the other trait, that's like the the lagoon or whisper some of those are a lot more variant like whisper is you have um you have pantheon you have uh silas you have zyra and then you have siphon one of the dragons and it's like i don't know what those three champions actually have in common other than their portraits are kind of purplish like is that really the only thing right. tying them together and i'm sure they wrote some like sort of ridiculous lore in the background that i'm never ever going to pay attention to to like tell you why all of these it, you know champions are are put together in particular um, so yeah, like, I don't think it's confusing to me because I'm looking at a guide and I'm going, mm, yes, so I need to find a BF sword so I can create a rage, uh, rage blade and put it on my graves. Like, ah, yes, this all makes a lot of sense. I am very smart. <laughs> it does. I mean, I, I use similar resources when I play Legends of Runeterra, so I'm certainly not going to give you a hard time for it. I, I do find it interesting, um, that le like, let, uh, the team fight tactics, much like Legends of Runeterra, is a little bit more willing to experiment with characters that aren't naturally in the game. Like the fact that Silco was in TFT was something I found super interesting. Do you think that that's a space that they should be exploring more? Or would you like to see them doing more with the roster they already have? How do you think they're balancing that side of it? I think that adding more into TFT and even into to Legends of Runeterra is a great idea. I don't think that every idea needs to be put into League of Legends. That's how you get champions like Yumi. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Go fuck yourself because it's made worlds borderline impossible to watch at times. Um, and I think that having these sort of other avenues where you can you know, flesh out some more of that lore writing where you can kind of create some of these ideas that frankly would not be fun to play against as a, you know, as a champion in League of Legends. Like, I think Yumi could probably be a, a very interesting champion in TFT, especially with how they have the dragons in the game taking up multiple unit spaces on your team. Like a dragon, you need to have two empty spots on your rock on your board before you can even put them in play. I think that's really fascinating. And I think you could do something with that with Yumi kind of in, in the same role that she is in League of Legends of attaching her to another character. And maybe you then, you know, lose the ability to like bounce around or whatever, but you could then make that one character a bit stronger 
uh, to sort of offset being down one character physically on the board. Like, that could be really interesting. And I think it gives them the ability to flesh out more of Runeterra. I especially see that with Legends of Runeterra and all the cards that they've added to it. And now people are like, when are they going to add the the champion, that the, the uh, sorcerer that Yumi lost to League of Legends? Like, why? Why does it have to be in League of Legends? Why can't it be a character that exists outside of the League of Legends game but still in the League of Legends universe. Like, we don't see people begging for Pingu to be added to the game. Like, mm. let Pingu survive outside in the lore of memes and dreams and nightmares for people who have seen his kit out of the uh, League of Legends 25 years from now post on Reddit. You say that, but now that you mentioned it, I do think that Earth should be mandatorily added to all of the different games. I, I think that Earth needs to be a thing i want to hit people with a golden spatula across multiple timelines though i will say there is a card in legends of Terra that is based off of earth that does allow you to attach golden spatulas to your characters so i do well, appreciate and, and that. like i remember there was a moment where i was interested in, in legends of Terra that i texted you and i was like so are there any chip decks because i just want to play with chip like that's fucking adorable mm-hmm I do, I do um I I do think that there's just so much of that world to explore and people get hung up on the word champion. I I think so much of it is the marketing side of it. It's like, "Oh, well, if Nora is a champion in this game, then she should be a champion in the other game." No. Champion just means person of substantial interest within the universe. And I I think that League of Legends fans are going to have to accept at some point that while they are going to be Riot's primary game for the foreseeable future, they're not the only game, and the world is going to continue to expand in other directions that are not designed for them, and that's okay, actually. Um, I, I feel the same way whenever I see people complaining about Wild Rift skins that the main League of Legends game doesn't get. It's like, yeah, they're going to be cosmetics unique to the game that people are playing because it's not, because it's a different game. That's okay, actually. Um, but I, I ch champion champion and summoner haven't been relevant to the game itself or even the universe since they got rid of the journal of justice. So like, come on, if you if you guys actually knew remembered what the original lore of fiddlesticks was, <laughs> like you'd be glad summoner isn't a thing anymore. Okay, absolutely. Um, I do want to ask before we uh, we wrap up here, because um, obviously a game like Teamfight Tactics, multiple different seasons. Each one, it seems like a lot of characters rotate in and out based on the set that is released. How do you feel about the state of game balance as a whole and how much um, all of that is being like handled? Is the rotation speed, things like that. So as someone who's gotten into it relatively recently and isn't like you know, super, super interested in it, doesn't really play ranked or anything like that. I kind of like that they give you like, what is it, 80 days or something, 90 days with a set. Um, I remember I played right, I want to say like the first week that um, set 7.5 came out and we were playing 
and my buddy and I were talking about it. He's like, yeah, everybody's just like jamming Lagoon because it's free resource generation. And it, honestly, it doesn't feel that good. And he's like, and I've been playing Astral Mage and I've been just like destroying everything because nobody's contesting those things. Um, and then it's like, as it went on, I, I personally, like, I really enjoy playing Lagoon. I think it's pretty straightforward kind of play pattern. And as the season has gone on, like fewer and fewer people have been playing strict Lagoon and even looking at Mobilitics and looking at the top comps, like Lagoon, sure, there are champions that you want to use that are Lagoon. And if you can squeeze three of them in, great. That helps, you know, get some of these resources. But at the end of the day, it's you're not running like a, a carry Kaisa that you're completely relying on a six Lagoon comp and just going, you know, going off because you out utility and out resource gen everyone. Um, there's a lot more variance now to the point where I can. I can just hard roll Lagoon as much as I want. And sure, am I going to win? You know, am I going to place top four every single time? No, but it's a, a play pattern and a play style that I've sort of figured out and I feel comfortable playing. And there are little variations of things that I've, I've added in to sort of change off of that. And in fact, the first one I ever got in TFT was me understanding that the lobby that I was in wasn't going to let me play Lagoon and instead, you know, you know, presented me with a different option. And I took it and I happened to win because I was the only person playing like Dragon Mancer Bruiser. Um, so I think it really does reward you once you sort of have the basic general knowledge of understanding trends and, and focusing on where you can exploit what other people aren't doing. Um, but I would say there's still a lot of complexity into it. And like right now, I still don't understand the economy aspects of it. I don't know when I should be, you know, re-rolling, when I shouldn't be re-rolling, when I should just, you know, how many rounds I should be losing in a row, when, you know, to identify like, oh crap, I'm actually really strong right now, but I'm already, I'm on a four round lose streak. I should probably pull out two of my units. That way I lose my fifth round and I can keep that, you know, bonus going because I get additional gold if I have five losses or whatever. It took me a long time to understand like the interest mechanic of it which is like every 10 gold you have, you generate a gold. So if you have 20 gold, you generate two gold around. So you can cut, sort of operate within those margins of being like, okay, well, I have 28 gold now, so I technically could spend eight and I'll still get the bonus of two. But then if you do that, then maybe the next round you only have like 26 gold and you didn't hit your 30 gold break point to get that extra generation. So I think there's a lot of complexity in terms of the economy that I'm just not at the point where I understand it fully enough. Um, but the game is still fun and I honestly feel like I can just kind of brain dead it, bring up a guide and say, okay, well, I started with a Skarner. What could I do with Skarner? It's like, you can do these three builds. It's like, cool. What's the next champion I get? Oh, I got a Lux. Cool. Now I can go into Astral or whatever. So I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it way more than I thought I was ever going to enjoy it. Auto Battler. And it has now given me another reason to open the League of Legends client that doesn't make me want to kill myself <laughs> it really it, it's always great when you have that diversity of strategy right because an auto battler needs it for the reason you described if if everyone's going one composition that means that there are fewer people that you know there are fewer and fewer of those champions going around because they get bought out of the pool and so these other things are open and being able to recognize that and pursue it and be able to do something with it even if it's not meta per se i think is a huge sign of game health in this particular genre and i i want to give a quick shout out to to Mortog. i don't play tft 
but I see how dedicated he is to that TFT audience, how much he is invested in it, how much he is directly participating in, in the game so that he can understand these things on a very human level. And I think that does make a difference. That, that human touch and, and care for it does help. Uh, I will say, uh, the economy stuff that you've mentioned it was always the part I struggled with the most, too, just because with my kind of OCD, I always wanted to level up my characters, even if the level up wouldn't really help me. And I always wanted to get the most passive gold, because more gold equals better, obviously. Um, but it's one of the reasons I love Super Auto Pets, because... Uh, you get 10 gold a turn no matter what, unless you have a pet that changes that for you. Um, so you have that consistency in it. But all of that said, Walter, do you ultimately recommend Teamfight Tactics to people? Yes. <laughs> question mark. The confidence there Cause, is just overwhelming. Because like, like I said, Auto Battlers, when they first came out, was not something that appealed to me. I felt very passive kind of not as engaging of what I wanted it wanted in a game. Um, I wanted something more active and not just like shuffling pieces on a board. If I wanted to do that, I'd play a board game. And I don't know why, but just, you know, playing it with my friend, talking in the background, talking about sports, talking about basketball, you know, me asking why he was doing a certain thing or if I should do this certain thing now or, hey, is this the right time for me to, to you know, start to down roll or be like, oh my God, I'm at 20 health. Like I legitimately need to spend all my gold now to try and get my three-star carry unit or I'm just completely done. Like all that kind of talking in the background allowed it to for me to like learn how to play the game and now i'm not playing ranked i'm not playing it competitively in any way i'm just playing it to like kill some time while i'm relaxing and i can have city planner plays in the background watching through one of his uh you know um uh city skyline series or i could have you know a podcast playing in the background or i could watch rogue beat uh, beat Gam, or I could watch G2 go 0-3 the last day of, of, of the group stage. Like, I can do all of those things while half paying attention to TFT and still kind of having an enjoyable experience. Um, but I can understand why someone wouldn't like it. If you don't like strategy games, if you don't like thinking, if thinking to you isn't relaxing, um, you're not going to enjoy it unless you just want to, like, I don't know, just go brainless and just grab random units and just watch the pretty explosions as your opponents constantly beat you and shoot fireworks at you until you die with an eighth place finish. I mean, pretty fireworks do sound nice. I, I do. I do like a good firework. Listen, I, I said earlier, I bought the battle pass and one of the like, um, like, like damage things that your, your little pet can do, your tactician can do. One of them is you could throw a bucket at them, like a bucket of water so I have that. So like they, the like uh, champions do a little bit of damage and then a bucket just gets thrown at my enemy. And every time I went around, just watching that visual makes me so incredibly happy. But Chase, I know the listeners might not know this, but I do because you were texting me last week. Uh, you probably wanted a bucket of water to put your head in because somebody wasn't feeling well. No. So what, what fever dream... Have you brought me this week out of the haze of your illness? Yeah, you know, it turns out being sick is not very good for playing new games. Uh, I played a lot of Super Mega Baseball 3 because that was about what I had the mental energy for. 
as well as some Legends of Runeterra, but I've talked about those games already. So I had to ask myself, what is a game that I have played and beaten and remember enough of that I could talk about it on the pod that I think is worth highlighting on the podcast? Because there are always games that you've played and had like a mediocre experience with, and those are never, you know, like, of the things to talk about, those are never the most interesting games to talk about. So I was going through my list, and I was reminded of the Metronomicon, Slay the Dance Floor. And, Walter, there's a subgenre of game that I have always been obsessed with, which is your rhythm-based RPG. Uh, my love of rhythm games has been around since the Guitar Hero games. That was always my de-stressor at the end of the day when I would get back from school, um, just playing some songs, focused in... Um, I, I could really get lost in it, and I got pretty good at it. I was never amazing, but I don't know. I beat Knights of Cydonia on Expert, which I was told is a, is a pretty cool thing to have done. So uh, I've, I've always wanted to find another rhythm game that could hit that itch, but DDR is just, you know, it's, it's just arrows on a screen, and you're just matching the arrows. It doesn't have the same visuals, and it doesn't have the same kind of feedback that you get from playing a guitar. But if I'm not going to have the tactile playing an instrument side of it, what I can have is a game style and a story that I can enjoy. Uh, and the Metronomicon is a really interesting answer to that. Um, rather than just being your traditional rhythm game, it, it is very much DDR controls. Your arrows are going on a screen. You have to hit them. As they all come down, you want to build up your beat as much as you can in order to uh, power up your allies and unlock super moves that could be used to get big uh, effects that you could take advantage of for higher scores. And it is that kind of score attack where you don't just want to beat it, but you want to beat it with a higher number than the last time you beat it. But the difference is that it is a RPG. Uh, and I, I mean this in probably the loosest sense of the word. Um, there are items and equipment that you can give your characters that give them stat bonuses, and every character has their stats for health, defense, magic power, strength, uh, you know, these kinds of basic stats that kind of give each character their own skill set. Every character has their own class. So, for example, you start with Clark, who's like this nerdy cleric that has a lot of support abilities kind of clearing debuffs and you know some basic heals you have violet the trigger happy sorcerer that just does all of this damage including aoe damage she's the one person in your party that can do that at the front you've got wade who's like your tank who just sits in the front line makes your enemies stronger and can taunt foes so that they all attack him since he's got the health to take it and you've got gwen who's kind of this warrior in between she likes to protect allies get some stuns off um and do a little bit more damage there as well and you unlock more over time there's ralph the barbarian who does a bunch of damage but hurts allies in return um you've got your uh weird old guy groover who's like this druid that gives these weird utility buffs that are really hard to master, but once you figure it out, can give you insane bonuses. So you do build up these new characters and you get to choose which four you want to put out. And, and as you level up, 
you unlock new abilities and that gives you more strategic flexibility to fit whatever you want your comp to do. And all of that gives me a reason to be invested, gives me a reason to be interested and gives me enough to hook myself into to push through the fact that it is ultimately just another rhythm game. So if it's just a rhythm, like it doesn't sound like just a rhythm game if it has all that in the background in terms of different characters, in terms of classes, in terms of items that you can attach to them. Um, I mean, I know the game, the uh, you know Guitar Hero itch very very well. My my brother, uh, my one of my younger brothers, Michael, is a lefty, and he was a uh, guitar hero savant and then you know leverage that into actually being really fucking good at the guitar um but you say it's just a rhythm game as if it's a bad thing i i'm going to assume there is some sort of you know plot some sort of story that's going on here was that not enough to kind of keep you invested or was it purely just the i'm playing a rhythm game and i enjoy playing rhythm games that kept you in it so when it comes to the plot there really isn't one. Uh, essentially, there are some monsters that are throwing villainous dance parties that are raging out of control and causing destruction to the land. And so you have to go quell them with your music and your dance skills using rhythmic combat arts is how the game puts it. Um, you do have like multiple regions. So there's the Wild Forest, the Haunted Kingdom, Mount Rage, the Blue Expanse, which is essentially you want a pirate ship out on the sea. And then, like all good stories, it ends on the moon. Um, it is <laughs> largely just filler. Um, and compared to another game that I really like uh, that I can contrast to real quick, Before the Echo, um, I found Before the Echo to have a better story it was more grindy because you had to beat the same monster over and over again to unlock resources to get the level up and to get the things you needed to trigger the boss battle of each floor so it's not a game that i i think i can recommend as much as i will ultimately recommend metronomicon but the when i say that it's just a rhythm game what i mean is that there's a lot of surface level things that don't ultimately matter um, when it comes to like the plot. It is not a role-playing game in the sense that there is any role-playing going on here. But the gameplay itself is quite dynamic compared to the standard rhythm game uh, because of this ability sequence that they have. So for example, I mentioned that you can have different characters have different abilities. What I didn't mention is that you have three slots for abilities, weak, medium, and heavy. And any of your abilities can go in any of those slots. If you put it in the first slot, it'll be the weakest version of that ability. If you put it in the strong slot, it'll be the strongest version of that ability. It's not a sequence in which any ability is inherently stronger than the other, so much as it is providing opportunities to adjust and accentuate certain things based on who you're fighting. And you are fighting creatures. There are monsters that pop out that you have to defeat because they are running rampant after all. And each of them has an elemental type. So maybe you're fighting a fire monster, so you better have strong water spells that you can throw at them. Um, but it's usually not just one type, so you have to be 
while you're trying to hit all these arrows and keep up, you need to try to pay attention to the bottom corner so you can see what element the creature you're fighting is um, and be able to adapt which spell you choose to use. It, it's weird in that this is a game in which it is better sometimes to drop a combo. You don't want to miss a note because missing a note drops the overall team combo and you lose out on a lot of the passive abilities that you have. But if you have gotten to the second spell and you don't want that third spell because the third spell is maybe something that they're, uh, the enemy is strong against or is situational to a sequence that like you're not using right now, like maybe a mass heal, right? Maybe your characters are fine. You can stop and shift over to the next character and it'll do the spell based on how many notes you hit, um, which is a really interesting dynamic. You have to remember what each of your abilities are on each character. And you can't just stick with one character the whole fight because once your character uses an ability, they go on cooldown for a bit. There are no longer any notes going down their stream. And so you have to, you, you have to adjust and move over to one of the other characters. And each character, while they are playing the same song and the beats are the same, the arrow patterns are slightly different. So you're having to adjust almost like playing a different instrument in a, a guitar hero or a rock band kind of game. So you are doing your best to adjust and give every one of your characters a chance to do something while also making sure that you're adapting to what the enemy's doing in order to use the spell that will be strongest against it and trigger passive abilities that will again help you scale to those big super moves. And there's this idea of like, how you build up certain things. If, if you're focused on buffing your allies, that's cool and all, but multiple monsters might stack up and they do damage. And if one of your party members hits zero, you have to start the level over at the beginning. So there is a lot of really interesting elements to the rhythm game itself. But it is just a rhythm game. It's a rhythm game with a lot of interesting mechanics that adapt it and make it different, and that's what makes it fun. But it is not a game with a story that keeps you engaged or a sense of progression beyond go to the region, defeat all of the songs, and then go on to the next region after you beat a boss. But that's essentially the, the rhythm game motif. Like Guitar Hero, that's literally what Guitar Hero was, was you go to each location, you know, each different stage, you play the songs. Um, after a couple of stages, then there might be some kind of boss battle or guitar battle. I remember, you know, like guitar battling Tom Morello or, you know, whatever, or Satan at the end of whichever one it was. So mm -hmm. is it a good rhythm game? Yes, I think so. Um, it has multiple different levels of difficulties. You can engage with it how you want. And of course, it does have controller or arrow support. So depending on how you play, um, it adapts to you very well. Um, I think it has a lot of content. It has, uh, I think, a little over 40 songs if you don't buy any of the DLC. And those songs are in a variety of different genres. Um, it's not, you know, there's some EDM stuff on there. There's some rock stuff on there. There's some... Um, there's some, I think there's like a jazz song in there. Like there's a lot of variety. There's a pure rock song in there. 
they have a lot of these indie groups that they've gotten together. And while not every song is going to hit you the way that you want, because when you have such a wide range, there's going to be a couple misses in there just because no one likes all genres equally. The, what they have is quite good. Uh, I thought the selection was very strong and definitely kept me engaged with it. I also think they did a really good job because, like I said, the story doesn't matter. It's the challenge and how you mesh these characters and build up their skills and unlock these abilities that can then bounce off of each other really well. So once the story is done, they have this arena mode, and the arena mode locks you into... Uh, not only do you have to accomplish a certain challenge, like maybe your characters aren't allowed to heal, um, or maybe you have to heal a certain amount, like you have to heal uh, X amount of damage before the fight is done, um, but also it will often limit uh, the spells that you can use and puts them in assigned spots for you uh, and also will uh, restrict certain equipment that you can have. So you have to be able to adjust and adapt, and that variety keeps it interesting, keeps it engaging. I, I think that there's a lot of value to be found in that. And I really think, beyond the monsters and the elemental types, because you know some people will have their, um, their pros and cons on, on how much that kind of monster battling side of it matters outside of the idea that they can fuck with you, because they can fuck with you. Um, if they cast certain spells on you, they can make it so the arrows are spinning. So you have to remember like what column or which arrows, or they'll remove the color from them because the color kind of tells you like, I think red is on beat, blue is off beat and yellow is kind of in between. So you can prep in advance if you know the colors and can adapt accordingly, but you remove those out and you're having to like manually adjust to, to where they are. Things like that um, do add some value. But it really, to me, it's the forcing you to switch between these four parallel paths and forcing you to really not only just be good at the rhythm game, which is a skill in and of itself that it tests and tests well, but also the ability to, while you're trying to do that, also have that next layer of strategy, also be able to shift between these different characters and build your rhythm back up again and try to maximize your efficiency such that you can score as many points as possible on each song. And it gives you that score attack reward, the ability to gain more experience, to level up, get new gear that can then make your character stronger. There's always a reason to push forward and, and gain these additional benefits. So... As a rhythm game, I think it is really, really good. And there are some people who might be argue that when I say it's just a rhythm game, that I'm being too harsh and that those mechanics that I'm describing are enough to really distinguish it from a DDR. I think I'm maybe being a little bit harsher than I need to be because before The Echo was a game that had so much more of a story to it, also had spells that you learned over time, also had you alternating between three different tracks, though those were for recovering energy so you could do more attacks or recovering mana so that you could do specific spells. It was a different kind of rotation. Um, but I, I think that the things that matter, the things that a rhythm game needs to get right, Metronomicon nails. So you did, you touched on the music. That was going to be my next question because that is the, the other thing that any good rhythm game needs is it needs 
a good soundtrack and whether it's, you know, relying just on one type of genre, like a rock band Beatles or whatever, or, you know, spreading it across like my personal favorite, you know, Guitar Hero 3, I think that really matters because you, you want to like, you want to jam out. You want to be enjoying yourself as you're clicking the buttons or, or strumming on your fake guitar or whatever. I guess you did casually mention kind of like the arena mode doing these sort of quest things. The other kind of hallmark to me of, of the rhythm games that I have enjoyed has been replayability. And did you feel compelled in the past when you beat this or even currently to go back and play it again, whether, you know, kind of in like more of free play mode or actually, you know, playing through the story for a second time? Well, I will say I honestly was a little let down by the free play mode. The free play mode, you can pick your characters, but it, it randomly gives you these spells and uh, equipment that it thinks will lead to a quote-unquote balanced experience. And free play doesn't get you anything. It's just a thing that you can do if you just want to play this song. So you really have to go into the story mode or into arena if you want to use the things that you've earned, which I, I wish they'd maybe been a little bit more... Uh, if they made it a little bit easier, just because I don't remember what songs are in what world, especially if it's been a while. Um, I think from a replayability perspective, certainly on a difficulty level, right? Like it's one thing to beat the story on normal, but you can shift the difficulty at any time to that higher level of difficulty and you have different leaderboards for each. And so you can always challenge yourself that way. And if it's too much, you go back to medium and you can go and do your thing. So there's always um, more to do on that scale. And the arena, I think, does provide some really fun and interesting challenges. I think for me, I did get burnt out eventually, which, you know, every game does, right? I beat the game all the way through. I beat, I think, two-thirds of the arena stuff. But at some point... You know, you figured out what abilities, what loadout you really enjoy. Uh, and I'm the kind of person, if I don't get a character, I just drop them. Like, I didn't like the rogue. I, I thought the rogue was very weird in its play style. I, I thought, like, the ability to steal certain things from enemies to try to get better loot at the end of a fight was cool. But I was getting enough loot already that I didn't feel like it was adding that much. And in the meantime, I was having a worse experience because he's just weaker at multiple different things and super fragile compared to other characters. So, you know, I, I think maybe if I was the kind of person that, like, spent more time experimenting with different loadouts or if there were more character moments to, like, more interactions between different team members such that you wanted to see how all of these different characters bounced off of each other... That would have kept me going. That would have kept me going longer than I ultimately did. Um, but for people, you know, I, I think mileage will vary, right? For some people, I think having the arena mode uh, will be a great challenge. The score attacks, the multiple difficulties, I, I think can keep you engaged. I don't think it's going to be a replacement for people that like play DDR, for instance, because once you've gotten a handle of those mechanics, you probably want to go back to the the pure form, quote-unquote, at some point, especially because the track list, well, good. I, I genuinely enjoyed a lot of the tracks. 
none of it is stuff that you've really heard before. I, I think it's all kind of lesser known artists, which are great to highlight, but means that you don't necessarily have the like, oh, that famous song that people grind to crazy levels that you can compare against. And that maybe would be another thing. I, I couldn't find an online leaderboard kind of area. Uh, maybe I missed it, or maybe it's been so long that I forgot when I saw it last. But as far as I can tell, you can only really compete against yourself, and that has a very limited amount of value. I think that if I was able to go on and be like, oh, I'm at like 303rd on this song, let me go and fight to be in the top 300, that would have kept me going. Um, more workshop things, right? Custom levels. Oh man, if I'd had custom levels. Um, Trombone Champ is a game that I've seen a Let's Play of. Uh, and I thought the, the modding community for that has added so much value to that game to the extent that even though I know the plot and, and the concept is very silly, I might play it at some point just because the amount of content that is being poured into it that can be customized is really impressive. And Metronomicon is begging for a mode in which people could create custom songs, custom levels, etc. And it's just not there. And And that's part of being a smaller studio, right? I, I think um, resources are hard and they focused on having a full story mode and making sure that each of the songs that they had uh, shined as much as they could. And I would be very curious to see what comes next for them. I think that the studio, as far as I'm aware, um, did release a song, or, or, or did release a game, I should say, a couple years ago. But, oh, no, excuse me. Uh, they had teased one, but it never came out, and I don't think the developer is doing things anymore. So I, it, that's a shame, because I, I think the base of this game was very good and could have been built off of into something really cool and really interesting. And the next game, the game that this inspires another dev to make, is the game that's going to blow me away. Uh, as it stands, it's a really interesting game. It's a really interesting twist on the genre with some really interesting mechanics involved. But it can't maintain that level of, uh, of, of just keeping with it the way that I played hundreds of hours of Guitar Hero because there isn't that next thing to keep you gripped with it once you've done the baseline. See, that was going to be my question, was when were we going to get Trombone Champ from you? Because you said, you're like, oh, I love rhythm games. I'm like, well, that's that's the rhythm game du jour. I had a, a friend of mine send me a, a version of Through the Fire and Flames on the trombone. And I was like, I mean, okay, if you really want to kill yourself, by all means, go ahead and, and go crazy with this. In uh, incredible. That modding community is so impressive. Absolutely. Uh, but with that being said, Chase, would you suggest this to someone who it, you know, might not be the biggest rhythm game player? If you're not a rhythm game player, no, absolutely not. Um, rhythm, like this is a game that needs you to love rhythm games because at its core, more than anything else, it is a rhythm game. Um, the, the elements around it are, are good. Um, I didn't talk a lot about the art. The monster design is great. The character design for the heroes is pretty meh. 
but the monsters are cool and there is a lot to uh, appreciate on that point i would say i wouldn't buy it at full price which it's still at 20 dollars right now if you were to go on steam i think at 15 i think the value is there for someone who likes rhythm games and, and thinks that those kinds of twists on the formula are something that they would find interesting and at 10 i would encourage people to uh who who are on the fence about it to pick it up because i, I do think that there's a lot of value and a lot of heart um you know that studio really cared about that game and and got the most out of the limited resources that they had available to them uh, i i think it's hard at 20 dollars to justify because i think that there is a there, there's content that really could be there that isn't and when you run into that um i think it gets a little tough but at the same time I'm pretty sure I bought it at full price. I played it all the way through. And that game came out in like 2016. So I think yeah. 2017 was the version that I played. So I'm still thinking about it half a decade later. I still thought it was a game that was good enough to be worth bringing back into the podcast. So if you do like rhythm games like me and it does sound interesting to you, I think you will find the value in it. And I mean, th think about it this way. There wasn't really modding of Guitar Hero, uh, you know, in the game physically itself until Guitar Hero 4, I believe. So, you know, hey, a, a possible sequel here. Then you get a modding community. You might have something really, really fun. It could work out quite nicely. There's a lot of, of upside here. And I am... I, you know, again, I, I just wish they'd had a chance to capitalize on it. I, I wish that they could build off of it um, because I think the next game could have been great. But if you know a game like Metronomicon, uh, hit us up in the uh, on social media. You can find me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. You can find the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Uh, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. I was just going to say you can follow me there for my takes while I'm on the ground at the uh, LOL World Championship quarterfinals. Uh, but this comes out the day I'll be driving back from New York City. So if you want to go see my reaction to that, you can go there. Uh, otherwise, uh, continue following me for, I don't know, d depravity as we go into, the, into election day. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure both Walter and I will be very optimistic about where we're heading as a country, as a society. Everything's going great. Um, but you know what's great is our uh, movie podcast, Final Cut, uh, which is on all the Mondays that this podcast is not coming out. Um, so if you enjoy that, be sure to go over to that feed as well, or just subscribe to the Rough Drafts feed, uh, and you can get all of it. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks to discuss two completely different games. But until then... Goodbye, Internet.